Hello, everybody. This is Tony Ruggiero here. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening to The Tour Coach. We're rolling through another crazy summer right now, another crazy season. There's lots of golf, lots of guys playing, lots of camps, lots of retreats, lots of travel. You know what that means? means lots of great content coming to you. So thank you, whether you're a golf instructor, like so many folks that reach out and listen to this podcast, or you're an aspiring golfer, somebody just loves learning about the game, loves learning about how to get better. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Tour Coach, because we've got lots of great content coming for you, okay? And if you like the Tour Coach, you're going to love pro work on YouTube. I want to remind all of you, if you haven't seen it, go to Bushnell Golf on YouTube or go to at the Dew Sweeper on my YouTube channel and listen to, watch, Inside the Ropes, Behind the Scenes with myself, Colby Touye, Mark Hackett, and a host of others. And you'll see what it's like to be a player of all different abilities and watch how our team approach goes behind the scenes inside the ropes to find out exactly what the magic that your golf swing needs to pick up 10, 15, 20 yards or lower your handicap or get all the way out onto the PGA Tour. It's all there for you on Pro Work, just like it is here on the Tour Coach. So thanks for listening. We've got some great content coming. We've got some great discussions, some great roundtables, and some great guests coming your way this summer and this season here on the Tour Coach. And I couldn't do this Tour Coach without the following sponsors. They've been loyal to me. I'm loyal to them. I think it's one of the missing things in instruction and in our world, people that stick together. And I think that's why we've all had so much success. I've got to thank the folks at Bushnell Golf for their support and their sponsorship of this show, my teaching, as well as the Pro Work Series, Vineyard Vines and the folks there. Unbelievable. They keep all the dew sweepers looking good. Myself, as good as you can, and all of the folks at our retreats, and especially Shrixon and Cleveland Golf, Chip Holcomb, Eddie Dry, and all of the folks there. I mean, we couldn't do it without it. It's over 20 years I've been with Shrixon Cleveland Golf. I'm not going anywhere without that mason prang and the folks over there in california take such good care of us they've got the best product that you can find anywhere so special thanks to shrikshaw cleveland golf and then finally my good friend mitch mcconnell and the folks at mcconnell automotive buick gmc here in mobile and buick gmc for sponsoring the radio and everything that we've been going on for all of these years so we've got great sponsors we've got great partners And we're going to give you great content that's going to help all of you play better, enjoy the game better, or understand how to teach it and communicate it better. Sit back, get yourself a beverage, and enjoy the tour coach. And then when you get a chance, go check out Pro Work on my YouTube. You'll be glad you did. All right, so we're back here on the tour coach. Illustrious cast, U.S. Open Week, from our palatial estate in Brady, where are we? We're in West L.A. West L.A., um, Eric Larson hosting us here. Unbelievable place. Elar, couldn't imagine a better place. Why, why are they laughing at me? That's the world's first introduction. <laughs> it is. It is. All right. So we got a lot of people here. All right. So we're talking. JP, go ahead and tell us what we're talking about tonight. Because you, I mean, you've changed the topic six times on Matthew. Well, we were going to talk about whether the players in this era are better or worse than the players in the era gone by. But then, you know, then we thought that's that's a moot point. What about like recreational players in different eras? Do you think they're better then or now? Just real quick. Like, 
whether my dad would have played <laughs> whether my dad would have played off seven if he'd been start again. No, we're not starting again. I mean, we can keep the. Um, I mean, I the whole I the I whole purpose of this thing, huh? I know I would listen to the whole thing. I know you would, and I mean, we got to listen to this. I mean, this is a, this is real life. We don't get restarts. Well, I like I, I like the idea of like the you know the best drivers of the golf ball of all time. Like you know who were all right? They? So who were they? Who what is your best do? driver? Norman best has to be up iron there, players, right? Best mid iron players. Um, I can t- I can tell you that Johnny Miller told me he played with Norman in Australia when Norman was twenty or whatever before the piv and and Miller who was about as good a ball hitter as right. you'll find said that Norman was the greatest driver of the ball he's ever seen. I mean, pulled driver on a narrow little fairway where Miller wouldn't hit driver and just pulled it out and. Pipelined it with persimmon. But, right Butch would have said that to me. Best, straightest, and longest hitter of a golf ball that he'd ever seen was Greg Norman. Um, we're singing Greg Norman's praises here, <laughs> but you know, and you know, pe- people. Are he needs a little love right now. To be fair, needs a little love. He's had a rough couple. Weeks. He, he, he doesn't need any money, but he needs. A little no, love. but he needs a little. And love. he went from persimmon All you need to metal. Is love, and he still he still drove the absolute piss out of it, as you would say. Tony, um, he went from like a, you know, McGregor persimmon driver, you know, like his mentor Jack Nicholas, to a Cobra metal driver with a steel shaft in it. That Cobra uh, driver and he was hot. Ripped it. Um, so Elars, Eric Larson, best drivers of the ball of all time. Yeah, and HD too. You guys, you're out there every week. Best drivers y'all seen. Well, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be in the group with. Norman, I did see him drive it, and obviously he was very, very good. Um, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I feel like we need to get you a velvet outfit. <laughs> well, these Cheech and Chong cruise shoes, they do work, and uh, I am an investor, so. <laughs> Please. Anyways. Everybody out there, bye. Please do. Bye. <laughs> Cruise shoes if you're over 21 in a state that it's legal. <laughs> it's and legal in a lot of states. Like it's all good. But back to the best driver of the ball. Uh, Tommy Tron is a good driver of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a high fade. <laughs> most, most nights. I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. HG, go ahead. Um, I would say in the 24 years of me caddying, uh, obviously, you know, Tiger. But other than him, I would sneak Sergio Garcia in there. Every time that I was paired with Sergio, I think uh, driving the golf ball, you know, the times that I saw him, how he was just – it was so impressive. Obviously, Norman, I didn't get a – I mean, I watched him when I was still trying to play and stuff like that professionally. But – uh, I would say in the years of me catting, I would say Sergio to me was other than Tiger. Uh, I think he was the most impressive driver of the golf ball. I mean, the the two people I've been around where players, other players have said how impressive. And I think Bill said this to you and I, Jackson, once was one of the only people he'd ever played with. And it was at Wells Fargo um, was Rory. When Rory's driving it good, he said it was one of the most impressive things he's ever seen. Um, and I had another player say DJ 
when DJ's playing well, DJ's driving is otherworldly. So those were the two I would go to. Matthew? I can say one more thing. Um, the club I play at in Connecticut is Brooklawn, and they had the senior, we had the senior women's open a couple of years ago. Here. Not yet. Um, in her heyday and at Brooklawn, Laura Davies is an amazing driver of the golf ball. And to what she's a pillar on Yeah. And I mean you, you took the words out of my mouth. At the at a place where I play and I know where I hit it and I know where the good players in my club play it for a a, a player over fifty, uh, to watch her work her way around that golf course and follow her around and to do that, make a divot, put the ball up there and just smash it and drive it on the green. She is a she's a terrific driver of the golf ball for sure. Hall of Famer? In my Hall of Fame, yes. Yes. You, okay. You're a little more stringent in your rules. So. No, you're way more strict. I, I mean, I have people nobody else would put Fairway in. Fairway Wood player, T. Best Fairway Wood player. Me. Me. <laughs> from 170. No, not a seven wood. No, I'm talking about like a three wood or a five wood from 265. I mean, not to be, talk about a sponsor, but I would hit my Zexio seven wood from there. You chip with it. No, so. no, two, not 165 T, 265. Oh. So I'd lay up. But, uh. I, can I, well, I'll take this one then. As the, you start. I, I mean, I mean, I. Miguel Angel Jimenez for a. Just say that again. Miguel Angel Jimenez. Jimenez for the American public. Um. Played, the guy with the cigar. I played blackjack with him one night below. Incredible fairway wood player. Like, I hits did. so many shots, three woods, five woods, hits him on the green, hits him to 15 feet. Montgomery, probably in Europe, incredible fairway wood player. Uh, sweepers, both sweepers, not very steep players, which obviously lends itself well to, you know, hitting fairway woods well, but... You know, that, that is a very specific skill. Brian Harmon is an incredible fairway wood player. Again, another very shallow kind of hitter of the golf ball. Um, you know, you put Brian in the fairway from, you know, 245 and Harris, you know, Eric's. Sometimes Harris, Harris could be hitting a, a four iron and Brian hitting a five wood. And that seems like a disadvantage, but for, for, for him, you know, he can, he can hit, those, hit those really well. So I'd be interested, Henry, HD, if you knew anyone else who was really up on that list i would say henrik stenson oh yeah uh, three would i mean he made a living or a career in my opinion or obviously had the complete game but i would say henrik stenson fairway woods obviously you know three woods and uh tim clark yeah uh, tim oh. tim clark was a remarkable fairway wood player hybrid player uh i mean incredible incredible from 220 to 250 Tim could hit his. Well, I'm trying to was to couldn't chip. Well, won the players. I mean, had a yeah. remarkable career and. His wrists or something with the wrists or something. I he believe. Had a long, long deformity in his wrist. He couldn't. Did he not use the long putter as well? Or. I think he did. Yeah. Yes. But. Uh, you probably named twenty women on the LPGA tour that are better hybrid and fairwood hitters than most men yes for sure nb park comes to mind somebody who's not super long but is hitting a lot of fairway woods and she's fantastic and to justin's part a point about sweepers you know not not digging picking it off the top of the the grass she's phenomenal i mean better than 
probably better than my wedge, which is depressing, but yeah, it's a little depressing. Not as, not as good as Tony's wedge because he draws it. Long arm Slash players. Hooking. Long arm players ready. Best. Before you hold on, we before got you get on. before you get to that the the most famous fairywood shot in my lifetime was Corey Pavin at Shinnecock. Yes, because he had to because he had to hit, he had to hit a say, he Pavin. had to hit a fairywood and yeah. was that when he had those VAS Cleveland irons or was that after? <laughs> I, that was that was one of the first tournaments I covered and I watched him. I watched Norman zip zip that high spin ball he played off the par three tour edition, and then Pavin. Hit that that's forward on the green. That's a that's what I'm gonna go. Yeah, long iron. You said long iron. I mean, nobody hits them anymore because they don't have yeah. to. But uh, Hale Irwin, I'll go with from oh, yeah. generation gone by. But high, soft, left to right, pretty good. He wasn't bad. Mm-mm. Won a couple times. You go with. I mean, for me, it would, you know, obviously Nicholas. You know, Johnny Miller those guys I, I don't think you think of many great long iron players in the tour today because they don't have to do it tiger's stinger with the three iron off the tee is a pretty dominant shot i'm going with tiger yeah, yeah that's probably that's probably a good safe call probably a good safe call to take tiger on any of these topics the boy the boys would um you know haven't spent a bit of time with the south african players um they always you know they're all really good ball strikers and you know Longish off the tee. Is that indigenous to that area? It seems to be, Tony. They seem to eat meat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Not that veganism is wrong. So, no. so we probably no, tonight geez. with the steaks we cooked have grown some good long iron players. Possibly, but um, Louis and the boys would say Schwartzel, and I, you know, I was fortunate enough to work for Charles for a couple of years, and, and whenever Charles Schwartzel would hit a three iron four, like off. You know, two twenty-five, two forty-five, like up in the air from a downslope. He could he could do that kind of thing, and that was that was fun to watch him do that. He could put a certain kind of hit on it um, that a lot of people couldn't do. But uh, I think Tiger would have been the same, like those big, high, wide kind of swingers. And um, yeah, Schwartzel could certainly could certainly shift it from that sort of part of the world. I may be biased, but Harris English is one of the best long iron players I've seen, and I've worked for him. But he's hit some. It's okay of the, to be biased, Elar. He's he's uh, hit some unbelievable shots with that three iron. Uh, one particularly coming to mind: we needed a birdie eighteen at uh, Plantation Course in Maui, and uh, he goes, "You like three iron?" I said, "I love three iron," and he hit this beautiful three iron about six seven feet. We missed the putt, but we got in a playoff. We won the tournament, and he hit the three iron again on the next. Uh, did, you have, did you read the putt pretty well? Was it a no, missed putt? I didn't putt? read the putt very good. Okay, just but, uh, <laughs> just trying to get you in trouble here while we're here. We won't publish it till like Saturday. So please, please, yeah, I don't read a whole lot of putts anymore. But anyways, uh, he made uh, double eagle on number eleven uh, with the three iron uh, players championship. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, same three iron. He's, that three iron's been around, but uh, he's had a lot of really good shots today. He hit a beautiful shot with it. Uh, you weren't there, but yeah, because I saw it. Yeah, it's because he's too busy, <laughs> too busy taking care of all so his yeah, players. Yeah, we're gonna go with Harris English. I am. Anyways, HD. Top long iron players. 
I would definitely. I mean, I don't think you could uh, deny Tiger Woods being the the greatest long iron player, greatest iron player in my opinion. So I'm, I'm going to still stick with Tiger and uh, even a homer on St. Simons. But uh, even when Davis Love the third came out, uh, you know, he was the king of the one iron and how well he could hit his long irons and you know with the upright golf swing that he had and when he came out and how much speed he generated. Uh, I thought Davis, you know, he he hit his long long irons as great as anybody. Matt Irons T, your turn. I'm going to tell you, a guy that I spent a bunch of time around who was an unbelievable mid-iron player and to short iron player, incredible ball striker, was Lucas Glover could really, really, really hit five, six, seven, eight irons. They were pretty to watch. They were really smashed, tight draws, could hold that against the wind. He could straighten it out to where it didn't – I mean, his fade was a five-yard draw, right? Like, but like, could really, really was a really good iron player. That was one of the, you know, like you talk about, or I mentioned earlier, like Rory Drive and DJ. There's not many people where you like would hit, watch somebody hit an iron, and the sound was different. He was, he was one of those people I've been around where I would say it was impressive to watch him as an iron player. I think you qualify as the best middle iron player if the quality of your middle iron play drove you insane. And Johnny Miller, I did a book project with him, and he opened the drawer of his little file cabinet, and in that peak time when he was winning everything out west, he tracked sort of like early PGA Tour stats. He wrote down the result of every shot he hit during a season. He'd get done with a round, he'd go back and write down the club he used, where it went, how far it went, how far left right it was offline. And for three years, from 70 to 73, his average middle iron shot was three feet offline for three years. And that's pretty stout. That's so, I mean, when, when, when you're asking the caddy for a yardage and half yards and you're hitting it on average three feet offline, he literally drove him. His spotting was so bad, and he hit so many greens that it drove him insane because he missed. He would, he would shoot 65 and feel like he left him out there because he missed so many putts. Well, I'm not sure I can compete with that, but I, I, I helped Darren Go ahead, for a couple though. of years. I'm try, well, I'm not, I won't compete with that, but um, Darren was a always a, a terrific ball striker. You know, even you know Butch would have said in his sort of top five people who could control the golf ball. And you know, oftentimes when you go out with Darren the golf course, he'd have 138 yards to back flag to hit, hit an eight iron. And he could hit a pitching wedge over the back of that, but he would he would flight little shots in and turn them in and move them around. And, and, and I always thought that was a really cool kind of story to tell younger golfers that, you know, it's not always the, you know, the yardage you can hit a club. It's how well you can control the ball, how well you can control the flight. And Darren was one of the best at that. Brady? Um, well, just to mix it up, I watched Jin Young Ko play last week. She hit 63 greens in a row couple years ago she's a phenomenal iron player i mean she's a great ball striker overall but she also can move it both ways and control trajectory and distance was spot on i mean she shot one over the first round at liberty national and hit 16 greens and should have shot eight under just missed everything in sight but she's consistently week in and week out jackson just sent her an email about helping her putting (laughs) while we were talking she might need the help (laughs) (laughs) what about ak yeah, I mean, uh, he had all the shots. Uh, fortunately, he didn't have the longevity, but yeah, I mean, 
when AK was on, he was uh, he was tough to beat. Uh, could he move it? Did he move it much? Yeah, in the air? yeah, he could move it up and down. I mean, he hit it low, hit it high, cut it, draw it, get all the shots. Uh, did you ask him to do that, or was it just the way he saw it? He saw it. Did yeah, he saw it. Was it true that he had to aim at flags? Like couldn't aim away. Most of the time, I mean, he wouldn't listen. Sometimes, and I'd say, "Let's hit it over here," and he's like, "Eh." And then he'd hit it at the flag, and he's like, "Yeah, I felt pretty good over that." <laughs> but uh, yeah, remarkable player. Hi, we got, I guess we got to do short irons and wedges now. I think we're the wedges. The wedges. All right, JP, lead us off with your wedge player. Um, I think modern day Justin Thomas impresses me with yeah. the just the speed that he can control. Um, hasn't been as good lately, obviously, but uh, you know, incredible player. Stricker, Elars, you work with Steve a couple I was of times. Say Steve, yeah. Tell us a wee bit about Stricker and his wedges. So I worked for Steve a few times, and we were at uh, the memorial, and I was we were practicing before the round in that little short game area, and it was like a fifty yard shot, and. He hold it, and then the next day we were doing the same thing, kind of in our warm up, and he hold another one, similar spot. And the third day, we, you know, hit ten, fifteen balls, and he hold another one. I said, Steve, whoa, is this like normal? <laughs> I said, do you draw every little? He goes, yeah, I just kind of hit a little draw in there, and that's what I do. And I said, wow, okay. And uh, we proceeded in the tournament to uh, have to make birdie on the last hole and uh to make the cut we did and uh we didn't have a wedge in the 18 but i mean he, he played very well and finished whatever he finished 25th or something but um yeah i i saw some very amazing shots with the wedges with steve stricker go ahead hd uh, i would agree with e larson uh with strick he was just uh incredible and uh, controlling the, the distance, speed, flight, all that stuff. Uh, he was as good as anybody I've seen. And I would say Zach Johnson. Zach was uh, remarkable with the wedge in his hand. And he had to be. Absolutely, Matt. So I would say those two guys, uh, to me, uh, Zach Johnson and uh, and Strick were probably the two best wedge players I saw. You know, they just controlled the spin so well, the trajectory day in and day out when you played with them, and uh, it was it was just fun to watch. Matthew, I would say two, um, and this is this is my take. My take is a little different. It's not so much a tournament take. It's being on instruction shoots and watching people do things over and over again in the purpose of you know, for the purpose of getting photographs. Mickelson is an unbelievable short iron player, especially when. It's just screw around time, you know, when it's not tournament stakes where, you know, I've, I've, I've watched him bet photographers or, you know, how many of these do I need to hit before I hold one out? You know, what kind of odds would you give me? And the first one hits the pin. So you're saying he likes the golf? He does. And uh, Jordan Spieth is pretty fantastic with a short, short, with a short iron and especially visualizing shots, hitting them under a branch, you know, Mickelson's that same way. I feel like with those guys, if you gave them a shovel and you said, here's 20 balls on the ground, use the shovel to hit it, it's not even so much specifically the technique they use. It's the way they're able to take the tool and make the ball do what they want. I agree with that. I mean, it'd be hard to leave Tiger off that list. I mean, you could probably put him at the top of all of them, but 
agree. Like JT, I've been fortunate enough to <clears throat> times at Bears and the times with Tom Lovelady staying with him, <clears throat> be around him for the modern day. I think he's the, his ability to hit to me wedge shots where he takes big turns without a lot of speed where he hits these incredibly soft shots, the way they kind of just come off soft, like poof, right? And they're in there, you know, is is to me really different than the way a lot of guys hit it nowadays. So, you know, JT's really impressive to me. And, uh, you know, Lee Trevino going back in the day, way back when I was a kid, I was at a Champions Tour event in Houston and uh, was around, uh, or no, in San Antonio when I was in college. And before that, I was around Doug Sanders. I watched Doug Sanders hit some wedges. Yeah, he was wearing pink. He also fell out of a golf cart <laughs> drunk with a girl on his lap, too. But that's another podcast. <laughs> but because it happens, it does happen. But he was an unbelievable wedge player. I actually drank a drink with him at T-Bones one time in, uh, in Augusta during Masters I mean, Week. That's why they make you sign the waiver. <clears throat> yeah, I have an NDA. But uh, <clears throat> so... Um, Anyways, I thought – but I was a young kid then, but I was amazed by how he wedged it because it was so creative. Like it wasn't like today everybody got him the same. He kind of sh- – he sautéed himself in there and shuffled with the pink pants, the girl, and he wedged it. It was beautiful. I think that might be code. <laughs> That's code. Was that – was Short game bunkers. No, let's let's go to let's. Go. Uh, how can I really follow that? No, up? you. I mean, was I off track on that? Any I, of that? I don't really even know what track you're on. To be honest, but I mean, <laughs> neither does my wife. I was gonna say, you know, Faldo, but talk about uninteresting after Tony's description of Doug Sanders there. But I mean, hit us with them short game bunkers pitching. Hmm. Got a feeling people didn't like my Doug Sanders thing. I, I was impressed. I mean, Gary Player probably for for bunkers still wow. to this day. I mean, I think he he sort of he. I watched him do a video on how to hit a fifty yard bunker shot into a green. He said use a nine iron, open it up, and hit it normal, and just blast it out. And I swear I've done that for twenty five years now and taught it, and it works beautifully. So he was innovative and interesting, and you know, special. So I'll go with Gary Player. Can I before we go to Jackson? Go back to the wedge thing and throw one other name out here from the past. You guys will know him, but was amazing for a short period of time with his wedges because he could hit them this high spinning was Nolan Hankey. I taught Nolan for a while late in his career, and it was late. And, uh, I mean, he didn't know how he did it or what he did. But his wedge game, he's also a Jingle Bell Classic champion, for those of you that listen that know. But he also uh, – but, like, his wedge game was phenomenal. And even late, he would – you know, he played – he did a bunch of not great shots for a tour player, a guy trying to find it, getting ready to turn 50. But he'd hit these wedge shots out of nowhere that were, like, some of the most amazing wedge shots from, like, 80 yards and 70 yards and 110 that you'd ever seen that would come in different trajectories. What's that? Jackson, sorry to interrupt. No. Got on uh, my Nolan Hankey train. Wedges, Jordan Spieth, 
he hoops it from everywhere, which I think is incredible. Like he makes it from all over the place. And back up one iron player too that I think is impressive is Hideki. I think Hideki's a really good short iron player. He plays the shirts on ball. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah. I, I write I write Stan Utley stuff and golf digest I have for almost twenty years and it the ability to well the ability to take a short iron and just does the piff we, we, we did a story where we put the ball in the parking lot and he hit it off pavement we put it in the desert and he hit it out of the desert and it's, it's again it's one of those things where the guy just has a I know where to I know how to put the club on the ball and make it go where I want it's sounds good yeah it's crazy Short, short. Oh, more short game, we're right? Short, we're short. I, game. Ti- Tiger learned every shot he knows from Jose Maria Olathebel. I mean, it's if you take one of the best short game players ever and then quadruple it with the best, arguably the best player ever. Well, but Butch told me he had eight grips around the green whenever you know Tiger when he was at his best, and Butch learned a lot from yeah. Jose and. Um, yeah, so you know, I think that era were amazing. I mean, it's obviously Seve handed right. that down to Jose. Um, I think we're probably all still digesting I was just about that. To say, how could nobody have put Seve in? There? No, I mean Seve. was the master of it all, but I, I don't think I don't think Seve was ever able to really document what he was doing. Right. There's a really cool thing on Instagram or on YouTube you can look at. It was filmed at Emirates Golf Club in Dubai, and Seve was trying to articulate what he was doing with different shots, which. Um, you know he did pretty he did a pretty good job of in in, in broken English, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I think Butch probably interpreted what Seve did and what Jose did in in English, and then delivered that to Tiger right. to, to some degree. And you know certainly Tiger at that point had a very versatile short game. I think yeah, and I think the Seve piece with the short game or with the with the wedges and irons, and I mean you guys would know in terms you know in terms of catting the bravery. To try, I mean, Seve had the bravery to try any shot at any time if it was the shot to hit. And I'm sure you guys, there's a difference between caring for someone that is willing to try the shot that's required versus saying I'm going to try, I'm going to pick the much more conservative shot that's going to have fewer potential negative outcome. I followed uh, a lot of golf in the '80s when Seve was playing and Ken Green and. I got my opportunity to caddy for Ken Green full-time for five years, starting in 1991. So I got to see one of the best short games that I consider on on the PGA Tour in the world, but Ken Green. Um, bunker play, short game. We've been paired with Seve. I've, I've seen them both. Uh, obviously, Seve's definitely one of the best, but Ken Green is one of the best that I've seen as well to this day. Uh, in my life, I mean, I always idolized uh, Seve, you know, with his hands and, you know, growing up with a 56, never a 60. And um, and I probably did backtrack a little bit. I heard an amazing stat, Dr. Rotella, uh, I was talking to him one time and he was telling me he was working with Tom Kite and I believe it was 1981 when he was the leading money winner. And he finished top 10, 21 out of 28 weeks. And he kept stats and i believe he was 73 percent inside of 125 125 yards for the season and i think that that's remarkable that a guy 
you know, obviously his career and how steady he was, but I thought that was a sick stat that a guy could get the golf ball up and down from that distance for the season. Five years, Kite was the leader in birdies on par fives, and he was one of the shorter hitters out there. Which, like nowadays, that'd be so stupid, no, whatever. But like, that's impressive. That shows you how good a wedge player he was. So Zach Johnson won his Masters, right. laying up on every par five and wedging it close. All right, so we're down to putting. Putting last one, of the, last one of the night. Best putters of all time. Go ahead and start us off, Matt. Everybody knows who I'm going to. Is it going to be Nolan Henke? No. No, no, no. I would not go with Nolan, and I'm not. I'm gonna pull somebody out of the way back a little bit, but it won't be. Won't be Doug Sanders. Are you gonna? Are you gonna keep us in suspense, or you wanna? Go ahead, go ahead. You go. I mean, there's all the usual suspects. I mean, people are gonna say Lauren Roberts. They're gonna say Crenshaw, and I mean, I don't know. I'm torn about that because I because to me, I think the. The metric you want is putting when it matters, and I don't think anyone's ever made more putts when it matters than Tiger. I mean, and I think when you when you have it, whether it's in the Rocco Mediate U.S. Open, when playing on a broken leg and, and you need to make you need to make the putt on a bumpy green at Torrey Pines, or you, you know, how many of us have watched Tiger on TV? miss the huge short putt that you just had to make it just hasn't i mean in our lifetime watching him it just hasn't happened so i'm I'm gonna go with tiger i obviously threw crenshaw in there but uh um hd who are we going with i'm gonna go with tiger woods no doubt i mean the the magnitude of the putts that he made the amount of putts and uh, when you're making that many putts to win, I think, you know, you can't deny that uh, he's the greatest putter of all time. And obviously Jack would argue with me, but I'm going to still go with Tiger over Jack. Before we go to you, uh, one person I think we left off on chipping in short game is Ray Floyd. I've heard tons of stories, watched stuff being down there at Old Palm. His chipping in the short game stuff's masterful. Hey, I don't know that he gets enough credit and we – we were talking about Hall of Fame stuff earlier and all that, but it's impressive. But go ahead now. Sorry to Elar. Uh, best putters, uh, obviously, that's always going to be an argument. But I, I like Jack. Uh, he made them when he needed to, when he needed to make them. And uh, there's always going to be that argument between him and Tiger. But uh, growing up watching Jack, I'll say Jack. I think one of the interesting arguments there are, are players who would not have done anything without their putting um, you know like I remember Mark McNulty incredible Zimbabwean player not a very long hitter you know, that's going was, deeper than Doug Sanders you know but he was an incredible putter used a little bullseye putter uh, you know he was always around about the top of the putting stats um, and I think you know it's an interesting part of the game of golf where you can you know you can kind of level the playing field a little bit if you can start making a load of a load of putts and we saw that with Jordan Spieth who's right. an incredible putter you know from I guess what would that have been 2014 to 2017 making Matt, 15 to 20 footers intermediate putt, you know and his some of his like 15 to 20 feet stuff was better than the average guy from 5 to 10 feet which is you know that's an incredible leveler of a playing field so um you know, I'm I'm not saying I'm identifying someone. It's just uh, interesting ways to to look at it, and it's it's also interesting sometimes to think like 
I don't think we've ever seen anyone do that for the entirety of their career. It seems to be a window of time, whether that's eyesight, vision, experience, no idea. So, um, sorry, Brady, over to you. No, I think it's a great point. Like, Morris Sitalski wouldn't have had a tour card if he couldn't putt. All right, that's deeper made, than Doug Sanders. I tried, I tried to go deep. Mohat, Mohat. You know Morris Sitalski? Yeah, he led the tour in putting. You know him, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. back to the chipping thing real quick. Corey Pavin would have to come to mind, too. Another guy like Ray yeah. Floyd who was really, really good. But, you know, I think um, it's hard to hard to go against Tiger in this category. You know, I mean, who made more putts yeah. in our lifetime? Yeah, he made the biggest putts. What about LPGA time. since you're obviously? Um, well, I mean, Indy Park <laughs> stats are a big deal. You know, she makes everything in sight. She's a phenomenal putter. Yeah. So – you know, they, it's it's unfortunate that the LPGA Tour hasn't done a good job keeping their stats yep. because we don't have the really? data on it that we have on the PGA Tour. They're getting better at it now, but we, we'll we'll know more in the coming years because they're they're catching up with strokes. That's games. good. They need to do that. They do it. The problem is the caddies are keeping the stats and not necessarily the stats. So like Minji Lee's numbers last year that everybody was raving about, you know, because she was beating every PGA Tour player within with all the yards from 100 up to 200, I don't think you can rely on those necessarily because, right. you know, but you can definitely count 63 greens regulation. So, Jenny Jackson. I mean, obviously Tiger. Uh, besides Tiger, one of my favorite putters would have been Steve Stricker. I loved watching him roll it. And I think um, he had a long career of good putting. And that stat, Justin Thomas tweeted a while back about his him not having a double bogey on tour for like two years, I think is impressive and, and speaks to the strength of his putting. I can say another shameless plug. I, I did three books with Dave Stockton, and I don't know that Dave Stockton would have won majors or won PGA Tour events without putting. And, and again, going back to the Seve point, Dave – when we're sitting in his his house, he's got every manner of putter you can think from a zebra to a, to a bullseye, and he would just say, "I'm gonna." He would randomly grab a different putter and say, "Today, I feel like I'm gonna set up open, or I'm gonna set up closed. I'm gonna put my hands forward. I'm gonna put my hands back to try to develop, get back to the artistry of making putts as opposed to the technical qualities that make for good putting." And I, I mean, I've shot stories with him as a he was a man in his late 70s, and he's standing there, and he's just draining putt after putt after putt. And that's, I mean, that's an impressive thing to watch. This was good. Very good. I'm still a Crenshaw guy on putting. Those, they're making a comeback. They got some lookalikes out there. Guys, thanks. <clears throat> Once again, Elar HD, thanks for having us in the house this week. I think we got a good chance to knock creating some more content this week if jp will put up with me jp you're in charge tomorrow of coming up with some good stuff okay i'll, I'll not cook tomorrow i'll just do the podcast creation you yep. can cook <laughs> yeah brady thanks for coming over hopefully you'll come hang out more this week for sure yep matthew i'm just waiting for you to use the term hizzle again well i mean now that we're in the hizzle <laughs> and i 
Let me just say this. We're going to go out of this, and we're for shiggity going to do it later this week. <laughs> and I got Matt to spit his wine out for shiggity. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and the Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrikshon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.